Welcome to the Dementia Caregivers Community Podcast. Our goal is to create a welcome listening space for caregivers to find encouragement, answers, and useful suggestions. We hope to nurture a community to help you communicate, care, and explore the common bond among caregivers. Here are our hosts, Marquita Puckett and Tracy Kendall Wilson. Hello, we would like to welcome you to Dementia Caregivers Community. Marquita and I are here to connect to encourage and inspire. And we definitely hope that you get a little bit of each of those things through today's program. These segments we have decided to call Dementia A to Z. So we'll be looking at all the facets, all the wonderful things that come along with information that we've heard, information that we've read, and kind of mine through that and make sense of it. So today's topic, normal aging versus dementia, came to Marquita and I as we were at a coffee shop actually planning out content calendar and how to best help folks that were in caregiving, care partnering, whatever your preferable term is, roles, um, as we both have been throughout the courses uh, of our lives, and we ran across a really interesting study. We found a couple of studies that found two-thirds of people living among us in our communities we work with, we worship with, we live beside of, believe that dementia is a normal part of aging instead of a medical condition. So when we happened upon that, we see that definitely throughout our daily career with Alzheimer's Tennessee. So we definitely see that. And when Marquita and I were discussing it, we thought that this would be a helpful topic to to people in general. So Marquita, did you see in your life prior to being connected with Alzheimer's Tennessee and embarking on this new adventure of this educational podcast, did you see something similar to the study that we found? Yes, Trace. And you know, I was just thinking about before we knew what was going on with my dad and with Mike. And after we had that discussion that day and you know, we were calling it dementia A to Z, the things you you really wish that you knew that you didn't know at the time. I just remember with my dad, he was not quite 70 when he got diagnosed. And my dad was ambidextrous. So I would go to visit him and he would say, you know, Mark, I can't tell my right hand from my left hand. He would just calmly, casually say that. I really didn't give a lot of thought of it at the time because, like I said, he's ambidextrous. And I just remember thinking, why is dad saying that? And then with each visit, he would make that same comment. You know, Mark, I just don't know my right hand from my left hand anymore. And then I started seeing him searching for words. And then one time I was there and he kept searching for a word and he slapped himself in the face, like as if to jog his memory or his brain. And I thought, oh, what in the world is going on with my dad? That is so bizarre. Why is he doing that? And then as time went on, the paranoia set in. And that's when my brother and I, we were like, what is so wrong with dad? And he actually received his diagnosis when he was in the hospital being treated for another illness. So as I look back and I saw those dementia behaviors, what Mm -hmm. I now know is dementia behavior. But at the time I was like, 
what's going on with my dad? He wasn't harming himself. So, you know, we always say, well, if they're not harming themselves. And and then with Mike, his was very subtle, though, because Mike was only about 63 when I started seeing things. Nice guy, very easygoing. You know, you never saw his feathers get ruffled. And But he had taken on a new job. And the best way to describe what I saw in him was he seemed overwhelmed with his new job responsibilities. Again, that was so not his character. He started getting a little bit withdrawn, almost depressed. And again, this is not characteristic of who he was. He would just come in from work and just change his out of a suit and just sit. And I thought, man, this job is just too much. It's just too much. Those were just subtle things in Mike. And I said, okay, you, we need to get you to the doctor. Something's not right. And his vitamin B and D were very low off the chart. He had a thyroid problem. His testosterone had bottomed out. And I thought, okay, this is it. And we started treating all of those symptoms, got those levels back up. And that's when the questions started coming and the repetitiveness. And that's when we asked the doctor, we think something's going on. Mike's was so subtle compared to dad's. And when you're 60 some, you sure don't think old age. But with dad, it was like, yeah, he's sort of getting there, you know, but it kept changing. And we still didn't know the questions to ask ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think you bring up a couple of really good points and something that we tend to hear over and over again. One of your statements that you made, looking back, and I think there are many people out there that say some semblance of that statement. So well, looking back here or well, looking back there, in hindsight, we can always see those things, right? But but one of the most complicated things about Alzheimer's disease specifically, and as we, you know, move forward with this podcast, we'll address some more common types of those dementia subtypes, most definitely. But speaking as to Alzheimer's disease first, you know, those very early symptoms, they look look like things that we all experience every single day. We will kind of take just a couple of minutes and delve into that. And for some of the listeners out there, this might be something that they've read or that they've understood for years and years, but maybe other individuals just starting out on their journey or just beginning to have those questions like you did, Marquita, and like thousands and thousands of other people out there also having. Again, just for a couple minutes, we're going to focus on normal aging versus dementia when those signs, when those symptoms move over from something that, again, we all do on a daily basis to something that's a little more in need of some attention from advanced level practitioners out there. So I always start off by asking three questions. And as I ask these questions, some of you may nod your head. Some of you may think, oh boy, does she have a camera at all of <laughs> all of our homes? I start off by asking do we ever misplace our car keys? And we know that there are only certain segments of the population that will admit to doing that. The other (laughs) segments of the population, if something is missing in their world, it's because someone else moved it on them. So we misplace things like our car keys or we put something up for safekeeping that it's so safe we can't even find it, right? Do we ever go grocery shopping and we go to the store to buy five things? and we leave with 15 things, 
or we leave with Mm. a couple of things, but they're never those important ones that we went there to get. So we go to the grocery store, especially here in the South, when they call for snow, what do we do? (laughs) We run out for our milk, our eggs and our bread, right? So Mm -hmm. you go to the grocery store for those things and you come home with lots of other things, but not that, that major piece. The next time we go to the grocery store, what do we do? We write a list, right? And then we typically forget our list at home. We forget it in the car. We sometimes briefly forget where the car is parked. So we don't have access to that list. And the third question is typically where people believe that we have video cameras in everyone's home to kind of see what they're doing. So the third question is, do you ever walk into a room in your own home? And do you know what's coming? (laughs) Yeah. By the time you get in there, you're thinking, what in the world did I come in here for? We look around, we try to cue our memory. Most of the time that doesn't work. So I'm going to throw in a really quick tip right here. We need to stop thinking about what it was that we went in there for. Go back to the place that we originally had the thought and that's where it will pop back in. That always Mm -hmm. happens. Or at three or four o'clock in the morning when we're trying to sleep. Mm -hmm. We all misplace things. We all forget things and we all become a tad bit disoriented in places that should be extremely familiar to us. And as I said before, if you think about yourself, if we think about ourselves on a daily basis, those things happen. But those are three of the most common warning signs of Alzheimer's disease as well. So as you mentioned before, we know there are many medical things, many psychological things that can contribute to a dementia-like state Mm -hmm. that truly are not dementia. All of those things can be ruled out. Some of them are easier to treat. Some of them, such you mentioned depression, depression Mm -hmm. is a little harder, but ultimately there is some help out there that exists. So we're going to explain in the next couple of minutes why those things happen that are not contributed to dementia. So number one, we all have a neurotransmitter in our brain called acetylcholine. And it helps us remember new information. You know, when I initially met you, my acetylcholine was working fairly well and your name, Marquita Puckett, stuck in my mind. And now, unfortunately for you, you're stuck in there for You're stuck in there forever. <laughs> so there is a point in our lifespan that that neurotransmitter works up to its peak performance. And then after that time, it begins to decline gradually. So becoming a little more forgetful, having a little bit harder of a time to come up with that word, all of those types of things happen. And it actually is the magic age of 30. So many things happen at 30, right? So if at the age of 30, we are what scientists say, cognitive at our best, that means that I'm 49 years old. I'm 19 years into that club at this point now. I'm not going to be as cognitively clear and as sharp. I remember a time in my past that I was able to rattle off telephone numbers. I'm going to blame ease of having a phone now for the reason I can't do that. But honestly, there, there are a lot of reasons. In theory, If we expect ourselves to be as sharp with certain types of things at 75 that we were at 15 or 20, that's probably not an accurate expectation of ourselves. 
Another thing that tends to happen to us, and it might be happening now, unfortunately, is something called benign forgetfulness. Benign forgetfulness is a really fancy term for not paying attention. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are times that we are reading a magazine, reading a book, maybe watching a television program, listening to a conversation, maybe at a doctor's office, maybe at work, maybe insert place here. You're listening to a conversation and you believe with everything in your being, you are giving that person, you are giving that article, you are giving that program your complete and full attention. Well, not really happening. Most of the time, our minds, in fact, we're encouraged. How many people have heard the word multitasking? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Multitasking means not giving your full attention to any one thing at any given time. And so for those of us out there that are still working, still have children at home, are still trying to keep their home in order, are trying to do all of these things, plus, you know, the 5 million other things that we haven't mentioned, how much time can we say that we are truly giving all of our attention to one thing? It's very, very little. So many times it's not that we've actually forgotten information or that it's left our processing brain bank. It's we never received the information fully mm -hmm. and completely mm -hmm. in the first place. So that kind of makes us feel a little bit better, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So one of the things that the majority of studies say that is easiest, so I'll say that with a little insert snicker here, one of the easiest ways that we have within our control to kind of rein our attention and our focus back in is productive stress management. You what know, Trace, I'm, I'm making notes as you're talking, and guess what the number one thing is at the top of my list right now? What is that? Stress. Yeah. I thought I need to ask her about stress. Yeah. And memory. Yes. Yes. Huge, huge player. Huge player in both increased risk. Some studies show lots of different things. But for attention and focus, we truly need to effectively deal with our stress. That helps. So, of course, as with anything in life, there's not a one-size-fits-all, end-all, be-all. However, that is one of the major things that we do have a little bit of control over to some degree. It was very freeing. I've still not mastered this, but it was very freeing when I was advised by an individual that I respect immensely that no is a complete sentence. Mm. And how many times we don't take advantage of that. So we say no, but, <laughs> no, but, or no, because, or no, whatever we want to, you know, we're, we're nice people. We're kind people. We're sympathetic and empathetic people. And sometimes it just doesn't feel right to say no, but sometimes our plate cup Everything on the table is overflowing, right? So not just the cup, but everything beside the cup. And we just have to be able to do that. So benign forgetfulness is real. And it can even cause some pretty major things. So to tell on myself, 
there will be times, doesn't happen often, I will be kind of forthcoming about that. There will be times that I will be headed to a facility or a home visit or you name it. And I know that I need to head in a certain direction and I may need to take a certain exit or, or a certain turn. And there have been times that I have been en route. I know exactly where I'm going and I wind up off a different exit mm-hmm. and I'm paying attention <laughs> or, you know, I think I am, but my mind is, is on a couple of different things and, you know, those types of things. So I consider that a pretty major thing. There are other times that we may have multiple stops to make and we can't wrap our mind around stopping in the order that makes sense to drive the least amount of time, use the least amount of gas, and makes the most sense. So it can be major things and, you know, minor things. It just kind of goes back and forth. The loss of acetylcholine or the decrease, I guess I shouldn't say loss, that insinuates it's gone. But the decrease of acetylcholine as well as benign forgetfulness are two main reasons why individuals may have memory slip-ups, may have problem with memory that aren't tied to dementia. So memory loss that affects daily life, this is the one thing that we want to make sure that we get across very well. Memory loss that affects daily life is not normal. Now, there can be many, many reasons for that. Some of them have been mentioned. Some of them we will go on to address later. But if we are having memory loss that goes from one day into another day that is causing us some some major difficulties and it's consistent, that is the point that we need to speak to someone about it, reach out for help get some answers, get some direction and clarification. There should not be a fear of shame or or a stigma or anything like that. That's one of the other things that we hope this will do in some small way is people can overcome the fear and get those answers they need. Tracy, I just want to say, I was thinking about Mike and how subtle his changes were. And as you were talking I wrote down something because Mike was a list maker and he was of old school. He carried the little calendars in his pocket and wrote down everywhere he was supposed to be, when he was supposed to be and who he was going to see. And times you couldn't even hardly read it. And that's when we also started noticing he was making his lists, but he still wasn't showing up where he was supposed to be all the time. (laughs) And I remember going to his office and talking with his secretary. And when I went in, he had all of these post-it notes across his desk. And I looked at her and I said, I see he has his notes, but is anything being accomplished? And then I wonder how it's when you mentioned the making a list and going to the grocery store. And then I thought, yeah. I guess the difference is you keep making your list. Maybe you will forget it in the car. But when you go in the grocery store and you forget even where you are or how you got there that's a difference or the keys you forget where you put your keys and I think it might have been you that said to me one time that well it's not just that you forget your keys you forget the function right what the keys are for right that's a big difference also right and another thing I thought of is stress and grief 
grief puts you in a fog of forgetfulness, I think. Sure. Yes. And it just like it puts this helmet over your head and you just can't think clearly and multitasking. I remember, oh, when you said that, I thought, oh, that used to be a strength. We mm -hmm. used to think we were great if we could multitask. Yes. And when we we're talking about getting older and accepting losses, just natural losses, I also think about hearing loss. Again, I go back to Mike and my dad. We all knew they're not hearing as well as they used to. And we know that there's hearing versus listening. Right. If you're not hearing someone, no, you're not engaged. Right. You, you don't even hear them, let alone letting your brain listen and compute and put that to file. So hearing loss to me is a biggie that you look at it very first on the list of normal aging versus a dementia or a cognitive impairment. Absolutely. You know, as, as we said earlier, there are so many acute medical issues, body changes, as you've mentioned, as we age, and then psychological issues that can mimic dementia to a T. So when we begin to have those difficulties, again, that interfere with our daily life, that right there in and of itself is, is a major reason of why we should seek out medical advice, because all of those things can be checked, can be tested, complete blood panel, hearing test, vision test, geriatric depression scale, all of mm. those things can be done. And again, some of them are easier, you know, depression mm -hmm. can be lifelong and chronic. So by no means am I saying that that is a simple thing, you know, to treat and memory will go back or cognition will go back to normal for us at a normal baseline. But what we are saying is there are so many things that are reversible or there mm. are pseudo uh, dementia. So most definitely reaching out that first step and asking for help, just sharing the fact that we are beginning to struggle just a little bit and that there are helps out there. Definitely very important. I think you just said a key word, Tracy, or term, baseline. Mm -hmm. When you notice something in a friend, family member, a loved one, spouse, when you notice, you know, they're veering quite consistently away from their baseline, I would just encourage our listeners to act upon it then. Don't wait. You know, when you see someone that's veering away from their familiar, their baseline, mm -hmm. yeah, start then trying to seek out and see what the answer is. Absolutely. Absolutely. As we said, there are so many things that there are helps for if it if it is a true dementia, then there is support, education, mm -hmm. encouragement out there. So no matter what we're experiencing, there there's an option. So thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's key that when you see that veering from the baseline, or I call it the path, try to identify the path that you're on. And if it is the path of dementia, well, then that's a different way. And like you say, hopefully our forthcoming segments will help our listeners. Okay, so this is the path that I'm on. What now? So that ends in a perfect place. At Dementia Caregivers Community, we want you to be encouraged. We care about you.